chapters eighteen and nineteen of recollections of napoleon at st helena by elizabeth balcom abel this librivox recording is in the public domain eighteen who goes there stranger quickly tell a friend the word good night all's well napoleon was a tolerable mimic one day he asked my sister if she had ever heard of the london cries on her replying she had he began imitating them very much to our diversion he did it well in all save the pronunciation of the english which sounded very droll my sister said she was sure he must have visited england incognito to have acquired them so perfectly he said he had been much entertained by one of his buffo actors introducing the cries of london in some comedy which was got up in paris napoleon was a great admirer of talma he said he was the truest actor to nature that ever trod the boards he was on very intimate and familiar footing with him i told him i had heard he took lessons from talma how he was to sit on his throne he said he had often been asked if such had been the case and that he one day mentioned the report to the great actor at the same time remarking to him c'est un signe que je me tiens bien he often spoke of mademoiselle georges whom he represented as being very talented and transcendently beautiful one morning after having been to a ball and being consequently very tired i tried in vain during one of my longwood promenades to find where the emperor had hidden himself i was told he was superintending a ditch which was forming for him that he might have a walk free from molestation thither i bent my steps and discovered napoleon contemplating the work with arms folded and downcast gaze he said he intended having a private walk where he could not be overlooked and for that purpose had directed the ditch to be constructed it was so laughable an idea that we could not help smiling at a man's having a ditch to promenade in but so it was the work was completed soon after and he had an unobserved walk which when made we were told he never used i think my memory in this instance has not failed me after the earthquake from sitting on the steps of the veranda i caught a violent cold and was sneezing and coughing all the morning napoleon said the climate was so bad it was not to be wondered at and that we ought to have fireplaces made at the briars to keep out the cold in the wintry season i told him it would be useless as there were no coals on our island he said we had better then burn some of the orange trees he was in a bad humour that morning or he would never have affronted us so much by bidding us destroy our garden and grub up our beautiful orange trees to burn i remember one of napoleon's favourite contemplations was the history of great men who had figured in bygone days he told me an anecdote of cardinal richelieu which impressed us much at the time it was repeated to us it was during the days of his i may call it sovereignty that a nobleman who waited upon him about his affairs of importance was ushered into his private cabinet whilst they were conversing together a great personage was announced and entered the room after some conversation with the cardinal the great man took his leave and richelieu in compliment to him attended him to his carriage forgetting that he had left the other alone in the cabinet on his return to his room he rang a bell one of his confidential secretaries entered to whom he whispered something he then conversed with the other very freely appeared to take an interest in his affairs kept him in conversation for a short time accompanied him to the door shook hands with him and took leave of him in the most friendly way telling him he might make his mind easy as he had determined to provide for him the poor man departed highly satisfied and full of thanks and gratitude 
as he was going out of the door he was arrested not allowed to speak to any one and conveyed in a coach to the bastille where he was kept au secret for ten years at the expiration of which time the cardinal sent for him and expressed his great regret at having been obliged to adopt the step he had taken that he had no cause of complaint against him on the contrary he believed him to be a good subject to his majesty but the fact was he had left a paper on his table when he quitted the room containing state accounts of vast importance which he was afraid he might have perused in his absence that the safety of the kingdom demanded they should not be divulged and obliged him to adopt measures to prevent the possibility of the contents being known that as soon as the safety of the country permitted he had released him was sorry and begged his pardon for the uneasiness he had caused him and would be happy to make him some amends the commissary-general of st helena was a great favourite with every one who had the pleasure of being acquainted with him he was most amusing and very clever he established a theatre on the island and the amateur plays performed by him assisted by the officers of the fifty-third and sixty-sixth regiments stationed there rendered the little island a scene of gaiety and continued merriment what with the races balls plays and picnics sham fights by sea and land etc there was scarcely a day undiversified by some amusement or other on one memorable occasion mr t invited a large party to picnic at his house nearly all the inhabitants st helena contained who delighted in those pleasurable amusements were there the house was situated near the celebrated friars valley at a great distance from any of the dwellings of the people bidden to the fête and the roads leading thereto must be seen to be conceived no language however romantic in its flight could impress the reader with the varied dangers and difficulties with which they abounded and the temptation must indeed have been great to induce a timid horsewoman to encounter them the ride there i recollect was comparatively easy the party was so delightful and the weather so charming the time was beguiled and the hours unnumbered stole on till the faint echo of the ladder-hill gun stole on our startled senses for it told the guests there assembled that the ninth hour had struck and without the countersign none must venture forth unless they made up their minds to be taken prisoners and confined for the night in the first guard-house they came near a consultation was held and the most daring of the party declared the risk of returning home must be run amongst the boldest of these was my father and being under his command my mother and sister with myself and a large proportion of the guests mounted their horses and set forward the night was starlight but the road so bad and unfrequented that though for a long while the sentries placed about the heights were eluded our way was lost i shall never forget the scrambling and tumbling about the horses feet tripping under them every moment over loose stones at length my father hailed a light which appeared at a short distance before us a most unlucky circumstance he was answered by a sentry presenting his musket and demanding who goes there a friend says my father advance friend and give me the countersign but no countersign had we and to the alarm-house we were all marched a guard-room placed between longwood and the briars we passed a wretched night in the little hole eaten up by fleas mosquitoes and all sorts of horrible things but the most disagreeable was the quizzing we were obliged to endure from our acquaintance who had been wise enough to stay at cruz plain instead of being so foolhardy as to venture forth napoleon was highly diverted and rather pleased with the opportunity it gave him for abusing the strict watch which was set to prevent the possibility of his escaping nineteen 
had the sword laid thee with the mighty low pride might forbid e'en friendship to complain but thus unlaurelled to descend in vain while glory crowns so many a meaner crest byron the thoughtlessness of youth or the consciousness of being a privileged person prompted me more than once whilst conversing with napoleon to touch upon tender if not actually forbidden ground and to question him about some of the many cruel acts assigned to him entre autres the butchery of the turkish prisoners at jaffa and the poisoning the sick in hospital at the same place came one day on the tapis i remember well his own explanation of the latter report which though an old tale and often told may not prove the less interesting on that account when recorded as far as my memory serves me in the emperor's own words before leaving jaffa said napoleon and when many of the sick had been embarked i was informed that there were some in hospital wounded beyond recovery dangerously ill and unfit to be moved at any risk i desired my medical men to hold a consultation as to what steps had best be taken with regard to the unfortunate sufferers and to send in their opinions to me the result of this consultation was that seven-eighths of the soldiers were considered past recovery and that in all probability few would be alive at the expiration of twenty hours moreover some were afflicted with the plague and to carry those onward would threaten the whole army with infection and spread death wherever they appeared without ameliorating their own sufferings or increasing their chance of recovery which indeed in such cases was hopeless on the other hand to leave them behind was abandoning them to the cruelty of the turks who always made it a rule to murder their prisoners with protracted torture in this emergency i submitted to desgenette the propriety of ending the misery of these victims by a dose of opium i would have desired such a relief for myself under the same circumstances i considered it would be an act of mercy to anticipate their fate by only a few hours ensuring them an end free from pain and oblivious of the horrors which surrounded and threatened them rather than a death of dreadful torture my physician did not enter into my views of the case and disapproved of the proposal saying that his profession was to cure not to kill accordingly i left a rear guard to protect these unhappy men from the advancing enemy and they remained till nature had paid her last debt and released the expiring soldiers from their agony such is the true and now almost universally acknowledged version of this atrocious story not that i think it would have been a crime napoleon observed had opium been administered on the contrary i think it would have been a virtue to leave a few miserables who could not recover in order that they might be massacred according to the custom of the turks with the most dreadful tortures would i think have been cruelty nor would any man under similar circumstances who had the free use of his senses have hesitated to prefer dying easily a few hours sooner rather than expire under the tortures of those barbarians i ask you omera to place yourself in the situation of one of these men and were it demanded of you which fate you would select either to be left to suffer the tortures of those miscreants or to have opium administered to you which would you rather choose if my own son and i believe i love my son as well as any father does his child were in a similar situation i would advise it to be done and if so situated myself i would insist upon it if i had sense enough and strength to demand it do you think if i had been capable of secretly poisoning my soldiers or of such barbarities as have been ascribed to me 
of driving my carriage over the mutilated and bleeding bodies of the wounded that my troops would have fought under me with the enthusiasm and affection they uniformly displayed no no i should have been shot long ago even my wounded would have tried to pull a trigger to dispatch me it is to be regretted that the conscience of napoleon did not prompt him to feel or say with richard the third in all mankind to some loved ills incline great men choose greater things ambitions mine there are many reasons why the worst features of this report were at first readily believed it was consistent with napoleon's character to look at results rather than at the measures that were to produce them and to consider in many cases the end as an excuse for the means besides not three months before he had given the world a fearful example of how bloody a deed he was capable when he considered it necessary to the furtherance of his own plans the execution of the turkish prisoners at jaffa was equal in cruelty though not in extent to the fusillades of the revolution besides which it was unjustifiable by the usages of war the turks having given up their arms and surrendered themselves prisoners of war on condition of safety of life at least it is true that this dreadful deed will always remain a deep stain upon napoleon's character but it would be uncharitable to view it as the indulgence of an innate love of cruelty for nothing in bonaparte's history shows the existence of such a vice it was one of the numerous and sad results of boundless ambition united to unlimited power in aiming at gigantic undertakings he forgot to calculate the waste of human life which the execution of his projects necessarily involved there was a lady the wife of an officer in the sixty-sixth regiment a mrs baird who sang and played very well among her favourite songs was a monody upon the duc d'anguin i learned this and sang it to napoleon one day at madame bertrand's he was pleased with the air and asked me what it was i shewed it to him there was a vignette on the cover of the music representing a man standing in a ditch with a bandage round his eyes and a lantern tied to his waist in front of him several soldiers with their muskets levelled in the act of firing he asked what it meant i told him it was intended to represent the murder of the duc d'anguin he looked at the print with great interest and asked me what i knew about it i told him he was considered the murderer of that illustrious prince he said in reply it was true he had ordered his execution for he was a conspirator and had landed troops in the pay of the bourbons to assassinate him and he thought from such a conspiracy he could not act in a more politic manner than by causing one of their own princes to be put to death in order the more effectually to deter them from attempting his life again that the prisoner was tried for having borne arms against the republic and was executed according to the existing laws but not as here represented in a ditch and at night there was nothing secret in the transaction all was public and open i told him i had heard that he wore armour under his dress to render him invulnerable as he was continually in dread of assassination and that he never slept two nights together in the same bedroom he told us all these things were fabrications but that he ever adopted one rule never to make public his intention whither he meant to go five minutes before he actually took his departure and he doubted not many conspirators were thus foiled as they were ignorant where he was at any time to be found there was a sculptor named caracci a corsican who had once made a statue of him and who at one time had been strongly attached to napoleon but having become a fanatical republican determined to kill him for that purpose he went to paris and begged to be allowed to model another statue for him saying the first was not as well done as he could have desired 
napoleon little thinking this man meant to assassinate him only refused his consent because he did not like the trouble of sitting in the same posture for some days this saved his life as it was caracci's intention to have poniarded him whilst sitting another time a letter was sent to inform the emperor that a certain person was to leave at a stated time for paris where he would arrive on a day indicated in the letter his intentions being to murder him the police took measures and watched him he arrived on the day noted and was seen to enter a chapel whither napoleon had gone in celebration of some festival he was arrested and expressed his intentions and said when the people knelt down on the elevation of the host he observed the emperor gazing on a beautiful woman at first he intended to advance and fire but upon reflection thought it would make it surer to stab him when coming out of the chapel i forgave the wretch for i never liked to execute if i could save life and merely ordered him to be put in confinement after leaving france for elba i heard he had been ill-treated by the other party at the head of affairs and had escaped on my return to paris from elba retiring one night to my chamber the same man somehow or other obtained entrance by some accident he fell and the fall caused something in his pocket which was intended to dispatch me to explode wounded him so severely instead that he nearly died i heard afterwards that he had thrown himself into the seine and was drowned End of chapters eighteen and nineteen